you're welcome to Mountain Springs Church Podcast, a podcast that brings you life-giving teachings and sermons from our church leadership. We hope that as you listen, you will be blessed and edified in your walk with Jesus Christ. And now, stay tuned as we bring you the teaching for today. Hello, I'm Fidelis Odogo. Welcome to today's edition of Mountain Springs Church Podcast. I want to do a teaching which I will title Faith-Based Value System. Before I begin, I want to say a Happy New Year to all our listeners. It's a new year, it's a new journey, it's a new challenge, it's a new adventure for most of us. Now what I often hear, you know, at the beginning of every new year is the word resolutions, new year resolutions. Everyone wants to become something they've, you know, have dreamed of, something that they think would, you know, add meaning to their lives or add value to their lives. You know, things like I want to gain weight or I want to lose weight, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. You know, there's often new challenges, you know, people put ahead of them in every new year. The one thing I hardly hear in the, you know, mouth of people is the word new perspective, new way of thinking, new philosophy, or rather you want to, you want to call it new mindset. And I think that's really what I want to, you know, um, zero in today and teach, you know, from this standpoint. Now, I, I'm titling it Faith based value system. Now, as you all know, in today's world, just as the population of human beings has quadrupled in number, so is the value system through which we view life's complexities. Every human being has a lens through which they view the multifaceted dimensions of life. Some schools of thought may describe these lens with the word perspective which I have mentioned at the beginning. Another school of thought used the word philosophy to describe this lens. Whichever way you choose to look at it, one thing is sure. As we glide through life's circumstances, we all have a filter in our minds to access or reach conclusions about people, events, or circumstances. We all have it. I'm sure you've heard of these words people use. As an, as an optimist, you want to see life as a glass half full. As a pessimist, you see life as a glass half empty. But I want to bring a new perspective here today, just using you know, the laws of physics out here. The truth is, in the world we live in today, both perspective of the optimist or the pessimist who sees the glass as half full or see the glass as half empty could be wrong. Now, what do I mean by this? According to the laws of physics, unless your glass is in the vacuum, like in the outer space, it is impossible for it to be completely empty. Between the top of the water and the top of the glass, the part that we would normally see as empty, there is air. It is not empty, there is air. It all depends on how we view things. Now, you see, I'm coming from a perspective that has never been used, you know, 
in our everyday life conversation. We, of, we often use the word half full or half empty. But a new perspective is the fact that life is always full. It depends on where you're looking from. And that's the lens I actually um, talked about at the beginning, that we all view life from a perspective, from a lens, or you want to call it a filter or a philosophy. I believe that there is enough for everybody on this earth. Whether you think it's half full or half empty, I always believe that there is enough for everyone. Everybody has what it takes to become whatever he wants to become in this life. Now, perspective, if I may, if I may start by defining it, simply means viewpoint or standpoint. It is the capacity to view things in their true relation or relative importance. Titus 1 verse 15 says, Everything is pure to those whose heart is pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and conscience are corrupted. Now that made it simply clear that people who look at things actually view things deeply from their own perspective. It's coming from who they are. I often believe that people see things and define it in you know in a context in which they view it and that's really, really what this is saying for those who have an impure heart it will be difficult for them to see anything good in others or to, or to see anything good in things in life have you ever had people say well life is just against me everybody's against me the systems are against me people are against me if you look closely you would see that they struggle with something deeply on the inside of them that is just not right. They're just not, you know, built up on the inside to deal with life from a perspective of purity. They see impurity in everything. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the compassions of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your intelligent service. And then in verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the Derby translation. Now, I want to zero in on key words here, especially in verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. He used the word conform. Be not conformed to this world. Now the word conformed there actually means to assume a similar outward form or expression by following the same pattern, model or mode in thoughts, words and in actions. Now that's what Paul was saying right now. Now Paul was writing to these believers who actually were living during the time of the Roman Empire. They witnessed the lifestyle of the Romans. And Paul looked at it and said, look, this is not what God has called us to live by. Their way of life, their way of doing things, their perspective was completely wrong. Paul said, look, do not align yourself. Do not assume a similar outward expression. Don't fashion yourself into the mold of the world around you. And to do that means that you have to accept the pattern a model 
and the way of thinking of the world around you. That's the world. That's what that that word conform means. It means that you have accepted how the world view things. You have imbibed into your consciousness the th the words and the actions and the thoughts of the world as as regard to things in life. Now today there is so much pressure on us to conform. There is so much pressure on us to act in accordance with prevailing standards, customs, styles, and beliefs. Now we live in a world today that is gradually gravitating towards a kind of freedom that allows human beings to do anything they want to do. And we are gradually being, conf being conformed into this image. Now, this is where the problem is. Paul said, do not conform to this world. Now, if you are not conforming to this world, then you are doing something in, in the opposite direction. And that's where that word transform comes into play. So Paul juxtaposed these words together. Do not conform, but be transformed. Now, today we're actually looking at the word transform here because it aligns with my context today of having a new mindset, having a new way of viewing life or thinking. Now, the word transform here is the Greek word metamorpho. Now, that word is the root of the English term metamorphosis. I remember my biology class. We took a, a topic on this word metamorphosis. And it actually means stages of transformation from an egg to an adult butterfly with wings. So you could tell that this is not an instant transformation. It is not an overnight thing Paul is talking about here. It is a stage of transformation. It means that it does not happen just in one action. It takes time, it is happening, and it will eventually happen. But it's a process. It's, you know, in different phases. I mean, if we look at that word metamorphosis, you know, it actually gives an idea of a butterfly that is hatching into adulthood. Now the butterfly lays an egg and, they, and then the egg goes through these stages of transformation. And I think if I remember my biology very well, from egg to larva, from larva to nymph, I think, and then from nymph to adult, if I'm correct. But you see, it takes us through stages of transformation. I heard a story about a traveler that saw a butterfly and decided to give it some good att attention and also to help the butterfly. He found a large butterfly struggling to free itself from a cocoon as it hatched. Now taking pity on it, he took out his knife and cut the cords at which it was straining. To his amazement, he saw a mass of liquid butterfly had not fully formed. In trying to hasten the hatching process, he killed the butterfly, which had only one beautifully formed wing on the outside of his shell. Now, the lesson is, is this. The traveler failed to see that the butterfly needed more time to grow and complete the process of hatching. And when we talk about transformation here, we're not talking about an instant change of character 
for an instant change of mindset. We're talking about a change that is continuing or in a process of time. Now, in our context, this is a lifetime. We don't we don't start transformation or we don't start having our minds transformed and then we reach a point where we are completely transformed. We live our life here on earth experiencing the transformation process. Now it is word the Apostle Paul called the renewing of the mind, where we are constantly unlearning the ways of the world in which we were previously conditioned to and putting on the moral character of Christ, which we see in his word as we continue to give ourselves to the discipline of God's word. Now, where is this bringing us to? It's bringing us to a point where I really want to major on faith-based perspective, faith-based thinking, a way of thinking, a way of viewing life. Now, the norm is that impossibilities abound in the realm of negativity. The world is fashioned. I mean, the world we live in today is fashioned and wired with negativity. Negative vibes everywhere. Now, if you're paying attention, and I know you are, we live in a negative world. Hence, Jesus says, when he was talking to his disciples, he says, with man, with human beings, it is impossible, but not with God. Now, why is it impossible with human beings? Because we have so many hindrances in our lives. And these hindrances are not necessarily external. They are internal. There are walls we've put in our lives. There are things that we have believed that has made us to see life from a place of impossibility. Now, Jesus dealing with that scenario or that situation, he says, look, with human beings, it is impossible, always going to be impossible if we view life from our own perspective, if we view life from only what we can achieve, only what we can, you know, muster up in this life. But if we switch our mindset toward God, it changes the whole dynamics. Hence, Jesus says, with God, it is possible because God is cannot be limited by anything, but we can limit him by our thinking, by the way we view life. There is a world out there around us, and it's a world of it's a world of possibilities. But we need a way of thinking to access those possibilities. Now saying possibilities in every opportunity, I believe is a learned way of thinking. It does not just happen. Now, let me take us to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Now, this is a, uh, it's a story of Elisha and how Elisha dealt with the people in his days. You know, I want to bring up something here from this story. Now, at the time Elisha lived, there was this Semitic Aramaic speaking tribe coalition called the Aramean people. Now, the Arameans are the people that that's you know, it's known in present day, I mean, they are known as the present day Syria today. Now, the king of Aram or Syria attacked Israel. In fact, they planned to attack the king of Israel. And Elisha, with his prophetic instincts, 
began to speak words to the king of Israel. He says, look, do not go to that place because the Arameans have laid a siege against you. So sit back and don't move. And words reached the king of Aram, who when he heard was very angry and said, look, I, I want to know exactly where we are at right now. Are you for us or are you against us? Speaking to his officials. And they said, we are for you, but we are against the king of Israel. And they warned him and says, look, whatever you are planning right now against the king of Israel, Elisha is actually hearing you right now. Elisha can hear things. He knows things beyond just human comprehension. And that's, of course, the prophetic gifts in his life. Now, if I may start from verse 9, it says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officials, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Now, if I back down to verse 13, let's just go straight to the point where Elisha dealt with him. Now, in verse 13, it says, Go find where he is. The king ordered, speaking of Elisha right now, go and find where he is, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back and says, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the Lord, I mean, when the servant of, of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And Elisha replied, Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, Lord, open the eyes, or open his eyes, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What transpired here? There was, I mean, there was a display of two realms right now, as I read. The realm of the physical and the realm of the spiritual. Now, it's all about what we see. Now, Elisha, you know, was told, Man of God, we are surrounded. We have been you know, they've laid siege against us. We are surrounded. What shall we do? That's what they saw. Elijah's, I mean, Elijah, Elijah's servant saw the physical reality. That this is what is happening to us right now. But Elijah, having trained, him, I mean, having trained himself to see things beyond the physical, came and said, you know what? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He wasn't looking at the physical realities. He was looking at the spiritual realities. I think that's really what this whole thing about perspective means to me. The standpoint from where you view life. If your entire way of defining life is only based on physical realities, you're limiting yourself a great deal. In fact, the spiritual world is, is way more real than the physical world. But if our perspectives and our philosophy is all geared towards what we see in this life and that's what defines our decisions, 
then we are limiting ourselves in many ways. Because God has made us in such a way that we have the capacity to see things from the spirit realm, to be able to, to change our mindsets and see God move, even in the place where people think that nothing is happening. Now, when Elijah came out, he definitely saw the people. I mean, he has eyes. He has, he has optical eyes. He could see that they were surrounded everywhere. But yet, he focused on what he could see on the, on the, in the spiritual. He was more focused on the spiritual than he was on the physical. And that affected, or rather, that actually defined his response to them. He wasn't afraid of anything. In fact, he told his, um, his servant, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But he had to, he, he had to say a prayer for the servant to actually come up to that reality where he could see what Elisha is actually saying. Now that's the whole teaching on perspective, seeing things. When you see things from a perspective where God, you know, reigns supreme. Now, this is really what I think we should imbibe this year. Seeing things from a standpoint where God is, is doing life with us. How do you see life? How do you view the things that are happening around you? Or from what standpoint are you making your judgment? What is the basis of your conclusions in matters of life? Is it based on physical realities only? Or is it based on spiritual realities? Now, I would like to do a, a, a second part of this teaching so that I can delve into the aspect of faith in this whole teaching on, 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 on perspective. Because I believe that the opposite of worldly perspective that sees the worst in everything is faith. That sees things from a whole different standpoint. The Bible says when they would say that there is casting down, we shall say that there is lifting up. You know, I believe that these are things that God is trying to teach us so that we can imbibe or kind of like master a new way of thinking so that we can reign in life. I believe that the way to reign in life it's focusing our, you know, our mind on what God has done and thinking from that perspective. And that's where God's word comes into play. And if we begin to take the word of God and study God's word and, and allow the word of God to permeate into our being and to change our, 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 our way of life, it affects us completely. In fact, our lives only our lives change as our mindsets change. The Bible says, "Have you seen a man?" I mean, it says, "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." One translation says, "Your thoughts channels your life. Your life will always gravitate in the direction of your dominant thoughts." So I think this whole thing about perspective goes a long way to define what we experience in life because it's always based on what we are seeing. You will eventually get what you imagine in your, in your mind or in your heart. Perspective. It's a, it's a big word, actually, when we're talking about all these things. Elijah was a very good lesson to all this. He actually 
explains this whole thing about what you see. What do you see? What exactly are you seeing? Now, I think about Jesus. The Bible says that, you know, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, when others actually saw the cross, Jesus was seeing the joy after the cross. So that's a whole new perspective entirely. People saw the cross, and they think, that, they think that's the end of the, of the road for him. But Jesus was saying the joy that was set before him. It's all about perspective. In fact, perspective is the way we live our lives here on earth. And, and, and that's why when we talk about Christianity, you cannot just be a good Christian and not involve your mindset or your way of thinking. In fact, the way to spiritual growth is taking God's word and putting it in our hearts. And one thing that is changing is our minds. Our spirit has already been changed. When we are undergoing that process of change, it's actually our mindset that is being changed so that we can condition ourselves based on God's word and not just based on the world's situations or circumstances. You see, unbelief is a belief system that emphasizes on impossibilities. Let me take that again. Unbelief is actually a belief system that emphasizes on impossibilities. So as we approach this new year, there are many reasons to cow or crouch down in fear. Life's uncertainties, economic downturn, some life-changing decisions without knowledge of the outcome, so on and so forth. You see, viewing life from the standpoint of faith puts us in the realm of endless possibilities, where God's hands of favor always works on our behalf. We can switch on and off the outworking of God's favor in our lives through our belief system. And I see this belief system is really what I've been talking about. And it's the same word as perspective. It's the same word as philosophy, how you see life. Now, the truth is our vocabulary is rife with a, or rather I would say, if our vocabulary is rife with a mentality of if it doesn't work, we limit God to a greater extent in our lives. We should always put on this mindset of possibilities and say, you know what? I may not understand everything, but one thing I know is the fact that God is at work and this thing is going to work. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to excel. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I believe. I can see. I have a mindset of possibilities. The difference between failure and success rests on this very word, mindset. As a matter of fact, the difference between wealth and poverty lies in this same word, mindset. Wealth is not just because well, someone works harder than you. It's a mindset. Poverty is not because one doesn't have anything to do. It's not lack of money or lack of resources. It is a mindset. It's a way of thinking. It is how we th see things, how we have chosen to define life from how we see things. The truth is, this is where God's word is so important to us. When we take the word of God and begin to eat and dissect it in our lives, it changes the way we view life. 
that is where the change comes from. That is where the transformation actually begins to happen. When our mindset begins to change, we begin to see the fruits of God's word in our lives. I would like to stop here from, um, for today. And I hope to come back your way again next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope you were blessed and are refreshed as you listened. If you're considering supporting Mountain Springs Church in any way by giving, prayers, or being a part of our launch team, please contact us at info at mountainspringschurch.ca or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Mountain Springs Church CA. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.